Welcome to the audiobook speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who'll be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. My guest tonight has narrated hundreds of audiobooks and is the owner of audiobook production company Pink Flamingo Productions. Sarah Puckett, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm very happy you could make it. I have been following Pink Flamingo for, uh, you know, the past couple, two, three years, whenever you started it. And I am amazed at the um, the speed of growth that you've been going through. So I, I can't wait to get into that. But uh, before we do, you're in a speakeasy. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, vodka soda. Vodka soda. So that is yeah. something that has, uh, that's the type of drink that has gotten very popular in ready to drink cocktails uh, oh. with, with seltzers. Um, I I don't think that it's specifically vodka. I think they just call it a neutral spirit or something like that. But mm. uh, vodka, vodka soda is, um, you know, pretty classic when it comes to the seltzer drinks. Yeah, it's just cherry vodka. I mean, it's like, I, you know, it's kind of a little fancy because it's cherry vodka. It's not just regular vodka. Sure. It gives you just that <laughs> extra added little bit of flavor. That's cool. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, what kind of vodka is it? I don't think I've ever seen a cherry vodka. <sighs> it's got a black label. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll look for a vodka with a black label. I got to say, I'm amazed that the vodka industry, that there are so many different brands out there. Um, oh, yes. of, of vodka. It's pretty amazing. I don't even care. As long as it's like tastes good, I'm okay with it. I don't I remember... get the bottom shelf, like Crystal Palace stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> the stuff in a plastic bottle. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, um, I, I tend to avoid the bottom shelf stuff as well. Uh, yeah. And and in, even in vodka, I think it would make a difference. I know that uh, they did a, a Mythbusters episode one time where they tasted vodka and the only person who came close to being able to tell which one was which was a vodka expert. He was probably like a brand ambassador for one of the brands. And he oh. said, that's that one, that's that one, that's that one, that's that one. And he, he got them all right. Everybody else was just like all over the place. Right. Uh, so uh, so I, I get Kirkland because it's a good, uh, it's a cheap vodka, but I actually tasted it against Smirnoff and I thought it was totally comparable. So. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. Vodka soda. Um, one of my favorite gin drinks is a gin Ricky, which is basically gin soda with okay. a half a lime. Um, so yeah, so soda drinks, uh, scotch and soda, another classic. So yeah, I do a lot of Captain and Coke and I, mm, yeah. I just like the Coke drink or the soda, you know, fizzy. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll have to get you a, a recipe for your making your own homemade spiced rum which Ooh. i made and i tasted it against captain morgan and it won hands down it is the best spiced rum ever nice <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's really not that do. hard to make yeah it's really not that hard <laughs> to make so all right well i am joining you in uh, one of my favorite springtime drinks so i'm a little early but uh my wife really loves these too they they have a little more sugar than i usually drink so i don't have too many but uh, it's called a bramble invented back in 1984 and um it's really great it's really a refreshing gin drink with gin and lemon juice so it's a gin sour a little bit of simple syrup but then you add a little bit of creme de mur which is a blackberry liqueur and so it gives it this nice dark color and uh and if you float it just right it actually goes down to the bottom of the glass kind of like a tequila sunrise and so Mm -hmm. you get this nice darkness at the bottom and then it lightens up as it goes up and uh, it is really good. You can do it with Chambord as well if you want raspberry instead of blackberry. And uh, my wife bought some blackberries yesterday and it just made me think, hey, I'm going to make one of those. Plus, I have some Copper Works Distillery from Seattle, Washington, Plum Gin, which gives it kind of an extra little fruitiness, which is nice. Nice. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good one. I was glad that I found this one by accident. It's been around for quite a while now, but uh, I hadn't heard of it until recently. So uh, it's it's definitely a good good patio sipper when the weather's nice. Yeah. All right. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for coming in. Cheers. Cheers. I hope the uh, hope the vodka soda is good as we get into this. So um, so where are you from originally, Sarah? Um, Illinois. 
central. Illinois. And you're you're still out that way, right? I am. It keeps sucking me back in. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a black hole. <laughs> yeah, that could be a good thing. I mean, you know, yeah. if you got family in the area, if you like yeah. the area. Uh I really like Illinois. I think it's beautiful. Um there's of course parts of it that I don't love. The cold, the mm, taxes. Yeah. <laughs> All the fun stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, but we enjoy it out here, so. That's good. I I haven't been out to anything in Illinois except for Chicago. Fortunately, on one trip, I actually did get a chance to visit around the city a little bit. Um, but I haven't seen anything else in Illinois. So, um, so you're, yeah. you're from close to there and, uh, and you're still out there family in the area. Is that why you stayed or other reasons? Yeah. Family for the most part. Um, yeah. and then my husband just got a good job here and we just haven't left. So, well, and he's family too. He is. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, um, so you grew up there. Did you do any, uh, any acting theater type stuff back in school? None. Really? Yeah, none. Cool. What'd you do? <laughs> um, I actually am, I have a degree in health information technology. So completely different. Oh, wow. Type. Yeah. <laughs> but that comes in handy navigating the horrendously broken health system we have these days. Oh, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So when did you get into uh, any kind of performance art? Literally with audiobooks. No kidding. That was your introduction. Yeah, that's cool. I, I always like hearing that. What what made you think of it? How did it come to mind as something you might do? Well, I used to do coding, so I coded um, infusions and injections all day long. And because I had done it for years and years, it was just second nature. So I would listen to audiobooks. Ah. And I was listening to one one day after. I mean, I've listened to tons of them, but just one day, I was like, "This is." really cool. <laughs> How do these people do this? And then I just started researching and decided to give it a go. That's cool. It's uh, you're the second one in the recent past that I've spoken with who um, was got into audiobooks simply because she listened to audiobooks and she just thought one day, wait a minute, I really like the performance, not just hearing a book, but these yeah. people are actually performing and and I like that. She had a theater mm -hmm. background, but still, it just hadn't really occurred before that. And um, that was Melissa Benson. And oh, yeah. um, and so um, so that's really cool. You just listened to something and thought, hey, I could do that. Yeah, I do that with a lot of things. This one worked <laughs> out. I that's once good. did that with um, wanting to make a sword. And then I got all the stuff to make a... Um... Oh, my gosh. I started this story, and now my brain is going. What is it called? Were they fire use the fire a forge <laughs> yes you got like everything forge. to like forge a sword no 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 i got the materials to build my own forge oh my god that's never amazing that's amazing did you get rid <laughs> so of the I do materials this a lot <laughs> did you get did you get rid of the materials to build a forge or do you still have them i got rid of them it was uh. like base it was like a you know half ass type of forge like with random crap around the house so basically that's what I did and then I was like what am I doing I can't do this why do I think I can do this wow. <laughs> I'm not doing it. so that's cool, I do though. this a lot I, yeah that I I think that's great I mean it shows you know a creative spirit um yeah. somebody who, who thinks it probably shows other things too but but you know <laughs> the, the creative spirit of you know I could do this and a little bit of confidence there and uh so that's really cool um, yeah. Even if you never got a sword out of it. Right. I did not. <laughs> so why did you want to make a sword? Are you into uh, oh my medieval gosh. cosplay or no. is it just an interest or? No, not it was even just a random. little bit. How funny. We, my husband watched for maybe a week, um, these videos about sword making and I was watching them with him and I just thought, I really kind of want to try this. That's and, fantastic. You know, it just kind of went from there. So I have a bunch of railroad ties. <laughs> no swords, but railroad or like knives or whatever it was that I was going to do. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I, I love knives. And uh, so if you had made one, I might have wanted to look at it and buy it. But uh, <laughs> but that's that's really cool. So yeah. um, so aside from the swords, so you decided to get into uh, get into narrating audiobooks and you have taken off because 
judging by what I saw on Audible, it's not like that started all that long ago. I think it was about five years ago. Is that right? Yeah. And you are you are just just going gangbusters on this stuff at this point. Yeah, almost to 300, I think. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's exciting. Have you done any and, other VO work or have you just concentrated on audiobooks because it, it worked when you started and you said, I'm running with it? Yeah, completely. 100% audiobooks. Yeah. I, I thought of, I thought at one point maybe to start doing other stuff, but I've been from day one just so busy with audiobooks that it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I totally hear that. I um, I would love to do a couple of other types of voiceover. And I started going in that direction last year. And then I find that I'm busy with the audiobook work. And when I'm not busy with the audiobook work, I want a break. And so I take a break. <laughs> and it's like, if I was doing other stuff, not only would I have the audiobook work, because it's regular work, and it's good work, and I like it. But um, I'd have to be continually trying to get the other types of work. And it would be really hard to take a break. And so yeah, <laughs> I just haven't exactly. really gone anywhere with it. But uh, but I, I totally see um, a lot of people doing just audiobooks once they start. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, I had a lot of coaching I had to do because I don't have a theater background. So I mm -hmm. didn't, I didn't have any acting experience or skills or, you know, anything. So um, over the past, the, the first probably three years, I did so much coaching that it was, it just took up all of my time. So what a, what a smart move though. Yeah, well, it had to happen. Otherwise, I would not be here today. Yeah, but you know, a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, <laughs> I could read a book. Um, yeah. So that's that. That was very a very wise investment. Yes, absolutely. That's that's great. Do you have a a specialty within audiobooks? I'm pretty sure I can guess based on what we've worked on together and what I've seen on your Audible page. Yeah, it's 270 or whatever books of romance. <laughs> I I looked through it and I was I was scanning and I did not see anything else. Have you done anything no. besides romance? No, not a one. Wow. Oh wait. No, I did do a cozy mystery one time. I have no idea why. I don't know why they wanted me for that. But yeah, I did. And I really did not love it. I've got to say. How funny that, I mean, you don't hear that too often. And I'm, I'm just the opposite. I love the variety. Um, yeah. I've been doing a lot of nonfiction, but you know, I've done romance as well and I enjoy it for what it is. And I enjoy horror for what it is. Um, mm -hmm. working, working on a horror book right now. That's just really well-written stuff. Um, and, and I, I think it's great. I've, I've done a Western I've done, I just, I, I like doing all these different types of things. And even within nonfiction, you get a lot of variety between, you know, memoirs and science and whatever. Yeah. Um, so I don't talk to too many people who not only do they have a specialty, but it's pretty much just what they do, but it sounds like that's exactly what you wanted to have happen. Yes and no. I would love to work on other genres. It just, I kind of got embedded here in romance and, and now it's hard to branch out into any other genres. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, but I do love it. So it's easy. That's good. <laughs> no, for That's me. good. Yeah. 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 It'd be bad if you had 270 books and uh, you thought, yeah, so I do romance and I hate it. Right. <laughs> right. So that's good. It's good that you love it. Well, now that you've put it out there, I'm seeing you branch out to other genres in the very near future. <sighs> that would be wonderful. Just a break, <laughs> you know, like just something new. I think yeah. that would be really cool. Um, but, you know, the, it is one, what it is. <laughs> yeah. And one great thing about specializing in one genre is that I'll bet you are so familiar with the tropes and the the way that the storyline will probably go. Um, yeah. I would guess that it makes prep quite a bit easier. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So I assume, you know, like most people these days, you you record primarily or entirely at home. Yeah. And how's, yep. how's that? You have other family members, anything uh, get in the way? I know that you've posted about <sighs> kids in the past. Oh, my God. I have a, <laughs> I have a son. He's 13 he'll be 14 here next month and he is very energetic and 
basically runs everywhere he goes and our, we have wood floors. So oh. I'll just randomly hear his stomping foot. Cause it's not a run. It's a leap, mm. you know, like he leaps across the floor and right now he's very into doing handstands and perfecting a handstand. So every once in a while, I'll just be back here and then I'll hear a you know, bang where he's like yeah. come out of his hands. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. And those are hard to, hard to, hard to work around. I mean, yeah. I, I think you have to have a really, really soundproof far away from that area for a sound like that to not bleed in. Right. Yeah. It's so loud and, and it's, and low and it's just, it's yep. crazy. So low frequency. Yeah. And they're home. They, well, they've been home. Um, for school so because the pandemic yeah their school's been closed so they went back uh this week thankfully mm. but well i hope that goes well i know that things are um so touch and go with schools and then yeah. i read the the articles that that discuss how people really don't and and i certainly didn't write at first because i don't have kids partially um but how it it really is having such a negative effect on so many kids oh yeah and at first when this whole thing started i, I thought well of course close the schools i mean no big deal right. you can do everything remotely i i didn't really think about again since i don't have kids I, i'm sure that entered into it but i didn't really think about all of the other things that school represents right. and uh, interaction with other people and just all kinds of stuff Meals and so sometimes was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, plus the fact that a lot of kids where both parents work, um, you know, if, even if they couldn't right at the beginning of the pandemic go into wherever they were supposed to be working, they had to go back at some point. And now they've got this yeah. additional burden of the fact that their kids at home. Yeah. So all kinds and just of problems. The, the no structure, you know, because I mean, I think that's what I worry about with Ty so much is they're they're in school one week and then they're out of school and it's just come on. <laughs> This yeah. isn't, you know, it's just, there's no structure to it. And it's just such a pain. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I feel for you. I'm, I'm really glad that in right now with everything that's happening, um, it was a choice that we made a long time ago, but, um, having to deal with that, I, I feel, I have a lot of sympathy for a lot of parents out there right now. Yeah. I'm super thankful that I'm here though. Yeah. I'm sure that you that know. does help. Uh, yeah. <laughs> footsteps aside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm at least here. So, and he can yeah. be home and they're older. My kids are both older, so yeah. it's not as bad as if they were five. Yeah. That's what I understand <laughs> is that it's just super, super, um, well, harmful, um, to, yeah. to not have the school interaction. And I, I get the concern. And so I don't, I don't have any answers, but, uh, right. it definitely has been difficult for people. So, Hopefully, all of this can be resolved at some point in the future. Um, I'm not holding my breath, but still hopeful. Right. <laughs> Me too. I'm just hopeful. That's all yeah. I can be. <laughs> yeah. So at some point, tell me when, you started Pink Flamingo Productions. Yeah. Actually, April 2020. It was So that right was only the... two years ago? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I thought it was three or four. Well, four years ago. That would have been super early. Um, wow. Two years ago and look yeah. how far you've come. So, so tell me about that. What is it that made you think I'm going to start my own audiobook production company? Um, yeah. So basically before all of this, um, dual dual in romance, dual narration kind of started getting a lot bigger about two and a half years ago. So I was, a lot of my authors were coming to me asking me if I could audition you know, males and find males that would work on books with me. And I would just go into our narrator group and post the audition and I would handle all the production and I would pay them and I would just handle it all. And I eventually was just like, I'm doing this already. I might as well just have a company that does it. Yeah. Um, and luckily um, I have, I'm best friends with two um, ladies who have always done marketing for audiobooks. So us kind of coming together and creating Pink Flamingo Productions just made sense. And it took off way more. I honestly thought it was just going to be me and narrating most of the books. Um, so it, it went a completely different way than I ever thought it would and did way more than I could have ever imagined. 
So had you worked with, with your friends before, uh, were they doing, oh, so you knew them, but it's not like they were actively doing marketing for any of the books that you had done. They did, but they worked solely with the authors at that Ah, point. Okay. So the authors would hire. So I would, I would always, um, recommend them in my welcome packet to the authors. Um, but Oh, but yeah, your welcome packet. Holy cow. I totally forgotten about that. Um, um, take me to that. What, what, what caused you? Cause I know that a lot of people are familiar with your welcome packet. I think you were the one that started putting something so robust together. What brought that about? I mean, miscommunication basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, cause there was a lot of authors that I would work with and it would be their first time doing an audiobook, and they didn't know what to expect. They didn't understand the process. Um, they didn't understand their place in the process of audiobook production. So, I mean, I, and on top of that, they didn't understand how to market. They didn't know, um, about box sets and about royalty share stuff. And I just thought instead of typing this out every single time that mm-hmm. I'm talking to these authors, I'll just come up with the whole thing and just send it to them and they can just look through it or not. But at least I've done my part, you know, educating them. I'm guessing that you have found it incredibly helpful. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because I remember when you came out with that and I downloaded it and I I have not used yours, but it made me think of a lot of things that I could communicate with the people I was dealing with. Um, and, and so I think that's fantastic that, that you came up with that. And now so many people are aware of it. Well, I think author, I think ever since the beginning, author education has been a huge part of my process as a narrator and, you know, to just be able to send them an entire packet that just kind of gives them information and lets them know the process and it sets them up for the next narrator. You know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do something a certain way. And then they expect that from every other narrator. Right. And it's, and it's not a good thing that I'm doing, whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. It's like those of us who came up through the ACX ranks, you, um, you learn book by book, what it is that needs to be communicated earlier on than it was in this particular project that you're working on. Yes, exactly. And most of it, <laughs> it needs to be communicated earlier. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so that's great that you came up with that. Okay, so uh, so Pink Flamingo, uh, so it started out with, with you thinking that you would narrate, and it has grown into something where you're casting just a ton of books, and you're not narrating in all of them. Um, no. I know that you are narrating in some, because the one that I've yeah. done with you through Pink Flamingo, that it was a great, great project to get involved with. The author was great. At least my interaction with the author was great. Yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the other narrators was fine. Uh, it came out well. Reviews are overwhelmingly positive. It was, uh, that was a lot of fun. It was, yeah. and I, I liked the character. Um, I was so glad that, that I saw that audition notice, because... I just, I felt like based on the description, I could probably do that. And then I read it and I thought, oh yeah, that's what I would be like. So, right. <laughs> um, so that, that was, that was definitely a very, very fun project yeah, to, to work on. And everybody seems to love the, the duet. So at this yes. point you said that dual was getting popular. Now I'm pretty sure dual is pretty much the standard for dual point of books. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also doing a lot of duet. Yeah, now duet is getting popular, and every every time I talk to an author, they want to talk about duet. Um, and if they if they happen to be able to afford it, and they do it, um, they don't ever want to go back to dual. They just want to do duet from then then on. So, so you um, see that trend continuing? Oh yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I I wasn't uh, I. I wasn't sure that that was going to happen. I I knew after duet after duel started becoming so popular. And just for anybody who doesn't understand, uh, dual narration is where chapters or sections within chapters change point of view and the two, two or three leads or however many there are um, alternate, but they read the whole, the whole section. Whereas duet, you've got one narrator, but then every character says their own lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when dual started becoming popular, I thought, oh yeah, this is going to take off. I wasn't really yeah. sure about duet, so it's really interesting for me to hear that um, you think that duet is pretty much, you know, going to be doing the same thing that Duel did. Yeah, I don't think it'll be on as big of a scale because of the price difference, but mm-hmm. I do think it will, it will, there will be a much more of it. Yeah, 
Yeah, interesting. I, I look yeah. forward to seeing how that plays out. Um, now that I'm kind of, you know, halfway dialed into the the romance community, and uh, I like to hear what people are interested in and and what works for them. Yeah, um, I have four duets right now on my schedule. Just wow, me personally. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Uh, it's it's good to hear that that's a that's a trend that is continuing to move upward. Yeah. But Pink Flamingo is branching out. So what's yes. the latest with Pink Flamingo? Oh, so exciting! Yeah, we um, acquired Fireside Horror. We rebranded, renamed it. Um, we're adding new genres. Uh, we're refocusing it to to you know encompass more than just horror. Um, and I am just so excited. That's fantastic. <laughs> I know that, yeah. um, Joe Hempel started that. I think it was about uh, a year or two years ago. Yeah. Might've been yeah. right around the same time as Pink Flamingo then. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I, it was really kind of nice because, because we both had production companies, we talked a lot, um, you know, complaining to each other about whatever, mm-hmm. um, and just bouncing ideas and questions off of each other and stuff. So I've gotten to know him a little bit over the past year mm-hmm. and I've gotten to know, you know, fireside horror and, and where he was thinking about taking it. And it was actually my, um, business partner, Kristen, who said this, because we had said at the very end of 2021, we had our goal meeting and we had said branching out is one of our goals for 2022. And she said, why let's talk to Joe. And we did. And he was hundred percent on board and loved the idea. And it just, it was such a smooth transition and just so exciting. I'm That's just so fantastic. Yeah. You, you and Joe have been on panels together. Haven't you talking about starting up a, a production company? Maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> My brain can only remember like through the rest of this day. <laughs> no, I understand. And and I could be wrong, but I do remember seeing both of your names associated with either a webcast or an online seminar or a class or something. Yeah. And I was thinking that they were at the same time. I, I could be wrong. It may have not been that you were on a panel, but that you just in separate instances were, were discussing it. Um, yeah. But, but it sounds great. It sounds like a great, uh, a great synergy um, to use an yeah. overused word of, um, you know, companies and people who know each other um, starting to work together more closely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's going to be, just great. I have so many ideas for it. Um, so hopefully, you know, I don't overwhelm Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you said, yeah. so you said rebranding, so it's not going to be just horror. What's the, uh, is, so I assume that the name is changing from fireside horror to something else. Yeah. It's fireside audio. Ah, and got it. Okay. we are going to be doing horror, sci-fi, thriller, mystery, um, even fantasy a little bit, um, just more than horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, so I know that one of the things with Fireside Horror when Joe started it was that there were a lot of royalty share projects because mm-hmm. um, he was very familiar and had a lot of experience doing royalty share and knew all of the pitfalls, of which right. there are many. And, yeah. uh, and that part of what they were doing was royalty share projects with the narrators that they were using. Is that going to continue? A little bit. Um, we will have, we will offer some royalty shares. It won't be on the scale that, um, he was using that for, but we will offer it a little bit. Um, we have a specific number of royalty shares we can offer and that's what we will do. Um, and so when you say there's a specific number, why is there a specific number? Just agreements we have in place. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking that might be a union issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Okay. So, cause, <laughs> cause I want to ask about that too. Um, so, so let's talk about union. So, uh, Pink Flamingo just, uh, signed on as a union signatory. What, like four or five months ago? One month ago. Oh, it was that recent. Yeah. We wow. I mean we were in talks with them for basically through the whole of 2022, but um yeah, we just signed at the end of 2021. That's fantastic. I didn't realize that yeah. it was that recent, but I I do remember that when I saw the announcement, whenever it was that I saw it, I was like, 
oh my God, this is fantastic. Because since I joined the union a year and a half ago, I've really been trying to keep everything union that I can. And it, Mm -hmm. it worked out well, finally qualified for health insurance and, and that's great. But I'm continuing to try to um, keep everything union. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, this is great. That means that there are going to be more projects with Pink Flamingo that I can audition for. Um, so I, I personally saw that as, as great news. And as a union supporter, I, I see it as a, as a good development as well. Um, yeah. And so that then affects what you can do in terms of royalty share? It affects what we can do in terms of everything. <laughs> Ah, got it. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, we um we we have a great agreement in place with them and um we'll be working the majority of our titles will be uh per finish hour rate, but and and plus a um contribution to pension and health. And then um we'll have a couple handful, a little bucket of um allotted royalty share titles that we will also be doing. Because the thing is, I'm very passionate about royalty share. I I believe in the royalty share business model, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and I, I think it can be really, really great. So we're very picky about what we um, choose with royalty share. I'm sure you've seen already PFP did royalty share a little bit last year. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're very, very careful about what we choose. We do a ton of marketing. Um, and you know, that's going to be the same thing for fireside. Well, that sounds great. I, I really look forward to seeing what comes of that, um, that partnership, not just for what I can audition for, but how it goes (laughs) in general and how the 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 types of titles, the genres that you're working with um, changes over time. Yeah, I'm very excited to branch out. It was it was going to be tricky trying to um, talk, you know, horror authors into publishing with a company called Pink Freaking Flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can see how that might be a tough sell for some. Yeah, a little bit. So. <laughs> But it's just like, you know, the, all of the publishers have, you know, 5, 10, 30, 100 imprints and they yep. all kind of specialize in something different. So it makes a lot of sense yeah. to do it like for something like this. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. So yeah. um, so just in case there's anybody out there listening who's thinking, I've been doing this for a while. I should start my own audiobook production company. Um, what what might you uh, what advice might you give to somebody who's thinking about doing that as somebody who did start one and is, you know, tremendously successful at this point? Honestly, build your relationships because honestly, I would not be Pink Flamingo wouldn't be doing as well it is as it has done if it wasn't for the authors um, that have supported us through this. And a lot of them were authors I'd already worked with, um, Mm. to in the beginning and the narrators. I mean, it was, it was nothing for me to ask the narrator community to join my roster. And, um, they trusted that they trusted me to, you know, be able to give them a smooth process and, um, you know, auditioning and and everything like that. They they put their trust in me with a lot of different things. So I don't think that they would have been as I, I don't think they would have wanted to do that if if I hadn't already put those relationships in place. So yeah, I can I can see how and you know I don't know how many times it's been said, but it is definitely a relationship business. Yeah. Um, I I can imagine that if that hadn't been in place, you know a lot more problems could have happened, but, but I assume you had some problems. I mean, anybody starting up a company or a business has, has issues that end up coming up that they thought, well, I never saw that coming. Oh Um, yeah. What what happened when you started Pink Flamingo that made you think, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Um, I really haven't had that thought yet, but that's good. That's good. Yeah. But I have had, at least in the first year, I'm pretty sure Craig and um, Kristen and Brandy wanted to strangle me um, because <laughs> I I switched our processes so many times, like probably ten different times. I'd get on a me- email and say, "Look, guys, we're changing again." 
<laughs> because, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going to work the most efficiently and um, and that takes time. And especially for me, I don't have a business background either. So, so give me um, an example. What, what process type thing did you end up having to change because you thought it would work and then it didn't? Sure. Um, our post-production, first and foremost, um, the proofing and editing teams that we have in place, we have a specific proofer that proofs the books, and then we have a specific engineer that edits and masters the books. So we went through um, using one engineer that does it all and a like QC department that like checks it afterwards. We went through just using Positron and then or a positron and then a proofer and then the engineer. And so it we've changed it up quite a lot to see what works best. Um, you know, just our workflow, <laughs> where mm-hmm. our workflow is managed at has changed a lot. So, you know, just that. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like, sounds like it was a, it, it has been a difficult process figuring oh, out yeah. what the best process would be. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. So I remember that you did use Positron on a couple of the uh, installments that we did on the series that we worked on together. And then I saw that you were no longer using Positron. Was there something specific about it that was a problem? And I'm I'm not looking for anybody to slam Positron. I know it's a, it's a, um, it's, it's kind of a loaded subject, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm just wondering what was it that that sort of drove you to try it and then drove you to say this isn't working for the way we are doing things? Yeah. Um, what drove me to try it was I thought this might be easier for my proofers um, to proof using Positron. And what made me stop using it is simply funds. I do not... Um, it. The the funds that we spent on Positron was astronomical, and no I did not want to. Um, I didn't want to get rid of my human proofers, so it was either raise the rates to my authors, or rate lower the rates to my proofers, mm-hmm. or get rid of Positron. And I decided to get rid of Positron. That's interesting. That is not uh, something that I have ever looked at because I've never looked at buying Positron for a lot of work. And so I'm not really familiar with their pricing structure for uh, the type of work that you're talking about. I didn't realize that it could be that uh, high. It's not, um, it's really not bad per finished hour. But when you add that cost, that price mm-hmm. onto the per finished hour rate of the proofer. Right. When you have, when you already have a human proofer and then it's, it's just yeah. adding to it. Yeah. 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 It just becomes too much. And then when I see that, that invoice every month for like, you know, 50 different books and I'm like, this is not cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I can see that. It's interesting though. It's not something that I would have thought of. Yeah, um, it wasn't Positron at all. I think that they have a place. You know, I, I think that there's, I I enjoyed the service that they provided. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything to do with them. It just, I didn't want to lower my rates to my human proofers. So yeah, no, I understand. And like I said, I wasn't looking to, you know, stir that yeah. pot. I'm, I was just curious about why that I happened. Think, so. I think the one negative of doing that is that we no longer offer voice files to our narrators. So um because my proofers are not engineers. They they proof, so they don't have the ability to get the voice files for the narrators yet. They, they're going to be learning. That's something we're going to work on this year. But Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So that was one of the negatives. And I felt horrible. And I made sure to make my narrators let me know if they hated it. You know, because um, mm-hmm. I, I never want to do something that is, isn't right for the majority. <laughs> right, right. So, oh. so what kind of feedback have you gotten on that? I'm, I'm just curious because I have done it both ways. I've worked with post-production uh, personnel who don't send a voice file, who do send a voice match file that has already been processed, which makes it a little more difficult to work with, that send yeah. a voice match file that has been minimally processed. I mean, I've, I've worked a lot of different ways. And I personally have not found any of them whether there are timestamps or not, or whether there's a voice match file or not, I've, I've not found any way to be egregiously difficult. I do think that having yeah. the voice match file helps, but I know there are some narrators 
who are like, they didn't provide a voice match. I never want to work with them again. And there are, not, and, and I'm not saying that about Pink Flamingo. I'm just saying that I have no, seen. No, there comments. are. There yeah. are narrators out there that that are unhappy about it. Um, I've I really haven't had a lot of pushback. Most everyone has been really gracious about it. I I've anybody that has questioned why they're not getting voice files, I'd simply reply back and give them the same explanation I just gave you about mm. dropping Positron. And they seem they seem okay with it. I think once they know the reasoning behind them not getting it, um, it makes it easier to swallow. <laughs> sure. A little more palatable. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, I'll be interested to see. I, I hope that you can, you know, train your proofers. I think that not only will that be beneficial for the narrators that you have that don't like not getting a voice match file, I think that it will be good for your proofers because, you know, a lot of people don't want to stay in the same place, the same company, yeah. whatever, forever. And exactly. I think that's a that'll be a very marketable skill for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I hope. So, you know, we'll we'll get to that point. I I feel like I need to get past um I feel like every second I'm thinking of one more thing that needs to be done. But um <laughs> I feel hopefully eventually things will slow down and we can focus on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking about every second, so you are it just sounds like you are incredibly busy with all the narrating that you do. You're running a company, you've got all these balls in the air. What do you do when you're not narrating? Do you have any time when you're not narrating or working on pink flamingo? Um, it's rare. <laughs> no, I do try. I do try not to work on the weekends. Um, at this week, I've gotten a little bit behind with narrating because of the fireside stuff. So I'll have to work to to catch up. Um, but I typically try to take at least one, if not two days on the weekend. And usually I just um, spend it with my family. If it's nice out, I love outdoor activities, um, hiking and, and stuff like that. And we camp a lot. We do camping. We have a uh, camper and stuff. So things like that, outdoor activities, but usually, you know, I'm just hanging out with my family, my husband. So that's, that's great. Um, yeah. Does he have a, a regular job? I'm, I'm wondering about the weekends. I know that a lot of narrators kind of make their own weekends. Uh, and yeah. and I, I do that, you know, whatever days seem like good days are a right. good day for a weekend. But I know that in, uh, you know, in, in partnerships where one person has a, a Monday through Friday job, having a narrator who is always working on the weekend can be difficult. Does, does your yeah. husband have like a regular kind of job like that? He does. Yeah. So that's why oh, I weekends. try to make sure. Yeah. yeah. I try to make sure I take off, but he's so supportive about Pink Flamingo. And I try to be um, conscious of how much I'm working. So I'm not completely ignoring him all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but he understands, you know, especially right now with fireside and stuff, you know, he understands things are happening and, um, he's very supportive. So, but yeah, we, we try to take at least one day a week out to spend quality, good quality time together. That's great. Yeah. I know that I've yeah. seen quite a few posts from yours about when you've gone on road trips and camping trips and, uh, it always yeah. looks like you're having a good time as a family. Yeah, we try to. Yeah. <laughs> but with kids, it's not always possible. It's not always. <laughs> Little stinkers. Not that I'm speaking from experience, but I totally get it. Because <laughs> I was a kid once. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, Sarah. It sounds like everything is uh, is moving forward. So you talked a little bit about the the fact that you, uh, you had a goal-setting meeting. Anything else that we should know about or any teasers about what's coming up on the horizon? Or are you just kind of dealing with what's happening right now? <laughs> oh, man, we have a ton coming up. I mean, um, well, we did just put all of our titles on our website. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yes, I did that in the midst of um, Fireside launch. Um, so, you know, we're selling on the website. We're trying. We're, we have a ton of Oh, you're of selling on the website. Yeah, we, we sell the audio on the website. Oh, wow. That yeah. is that is an aspect of Pink Flamingo I was unaware of. And oh, my, that, that leads to a whole other conversation. I don't know if we have time for that, but um, <laughs> how, how does that work? I mean, Audible sells books. What are you doing selling audiobooks? I know, right? <laughs> how, does um, it, how does it work? Yeah, we go through Soundwise. So um, the you purchase the book, you go to our website, you click on it and it takes you to Soundwise. It's a whole other app. So that's kind of hard to get people to, to want to download another app. Um, 
but it's, you know, the profit is all ours other than what we pay to Soundwise, which is very, very little. So um, it's so nice. I, I, I will look this up. I am not familiar with Soundwise. Is this essentially a, a different platform that is in at least some ways a competitor to Audible? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I will definitely look them up. I, I am unfamiliar with Soundwise. Yeah, I I was too until um, Kristen. She's the one with all the good ideas. She uh, showed she showed it to me and said we need to sell on the website. This doesn't make sense, and um, and so we just decided to. So yeah, we have that. We have events coming up this year that we'll be at um, a lot. We have another big thing coming up, but I'm not going to say anything about it yet. Ooh, there's um, the teaser. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're not acquiring Audible, are you? <laughs> if only <laughs> well that's fantastic it sounds like everything is going really really well yeah it is it's i'm good. i'm really excited to hear about the uh the fireside uh fireside thing and yeah. uh, and to see where see where that goes i think that it's uh that joe did a, an amazing job starting that and mm-hmm. um working in the kind of the, the niche market that he is so well known for and, yeah. and working it somewhat differently, uh, in terms of, you know, more royalty share and, and different things that other audiobook pro- uh, boutique audiobook production companies might not deal with. So, yeah. uh, it'll be really interesting to see how, how all that, all that happens going forward. Yeah. And we have a lot of the same goals and feelings about, um, you know, audiobook production. So, I think it it's going to be great. I'm really excited for it. That's fantastic. So yeah. if anybody was interested in learning more about Pink Flamingo, or maybe even since there are one or two narrators who listen to this podcast, maybe they'd be interested in working with Pink Flamingo. Where where should they go? What should they do? Um, you can go to my website, uh, Pink Flamingo's website, uh, which is pinkflamingoproductions.com or Firesides, which is um, firesideaudio.net. And literally on the very first page, there is a become a PFP narrator, become a fireside narrator and a little form that you just have to fill out. And we, I am kind of slow with looking over them all with everything else that I have to do. But I was going to say, you, know, <laughs> you fit it into that three seconds on a Friday afternoon, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and this week is, is, is impossible because it's the end of the you know month and taxes and stuff. Um, but yeah, so we go through them and, and we'll reach out if we think you're a good fit. Great. Um, any, any other social media outlets people should, uh, look up if they want to find you? Oh yeah. We're everywhere. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We just, um, set up a Twitch account. So Joe has been recording a lot on that. Um, I have yet to record on that, but I will. And wow, we hope Twitch. to bring our narrators in to record there as well. So that's interesting. I haven't heard of Twitch being used um, for that purpose. I know that there are a lot oh. of narration narrate um, narrators and groups that use uh, Discord servers, but right. I was unfamiliar that Twitch was uh, kind of a a thing within a, the narrator community. Is that? It's not. It's not ah. a thing. We we have to make it a thing. That's where that's, we're at. So that's come to great. Twitch. So, so that's something that Joe was kind of interested in and he started it and, uh, and now yeah. we're going to try to try to move forward. That's very interesting. I look forward yeah. to seeing where that goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it, it does well, but he, you just go over and, and listen to him. It'll make him okay. feel good. Yeah, no, I'll, <laughs> I'll do that. Um, and he, well, actually I'm not sure. I have to check and see if I still have a Twitch account. Um, <laughs> but, uh, easy enough to set up, I'm sure. Yeah. And and I know that he's uh, very technologically savvy, despite the mm. fact that he still listens to a lot of vinyl. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, you don't see too much vinyl happening these days. But if you want to find out about vinyl, talk to Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sarah, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for coming in. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope the uh, the vodka soda was good. The cherry vodka soda. Yeah, it is. It's about halfway gone now. 
Well, my bramble is also about halfway gone, maybe more. There's a lot of ice down there, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a great drink. Look up a bramble if you're looking for a good uh, springtime. I'm, I'm just I being will. hopeful about the fact that spring is going to be here early because I just hate the cold. I would, yes. I, w- I don't know what I would do in your climate. Uh, here in Ugh. Tucson, our winter is like a yeah, month and a half, two months. And um, I'm, I'm just constantly waiting for spring as soon as it starts. <laughs> yeah. I know. I hate the winter. I need to move south. Like every year, it will happen well, eventually. It's it's interesting though. You really have to look carefully because I never would have guessed that moving to Tucson, I would have had to be concerned about freezing pipes. And it's the first time in my life I've ever had to be concerned about it. It's yeah. only for a couple months, right? And <laughs> and within those couple of months, it's usually only one or two nights. But right. uh, I I was a little bit surprised. Um, and the heat surprised me a little too, but now I'm used to it. So anyway, uh, if you ever want to visit the Southwest, just let me know. You're welcome to, welcome to come here. I'll, I'll be sure to make you a drink in the speakeasy. That would be awesome. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Sarah Puckett for coming in to tell me all about Pink Flamingo Productions. I enjoyed hearing about the recent acquisition of Fireside Audio, and I look forward to watching PFP's growth in the coming months and years. As always, you can find the audiobook speakeasy on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all the usual apps. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook speakeasy. If you're enjoying our speakeasy chats, please take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! (laughs) 